Today, uh, we're in week three of our series called Jesus Is. And uh, the first week, as we uh, came here and we celebrated Easter together, we talked about Jesus is alive. We proclaim the fact that he's alive. And the reason that God sent his son is not because uh, just our sin, but because of love. That God sent his son because of love to the world. And that love is what draws God near, not sin. Last week, we talked about a message entitled, Jesus is Here. And Jesus is now. Jesus is not just one day when I die and go to heaven, but that there's some specific things from God's word that he wants us to know. We said this statement, Jesus came to bring us the presence of God permanently. He said, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to come and I'm going to bring my presence and my presence is going to go with you. And so last week we said Jesus is here and he is now. We also said Jesus is alive and we are not alone. Jesus is alive and we are not alone. And we need to live our lives as believers living as if Jesus is alive. But we also said Jesus is here and Jesus is now. God wants us to live not only with the, presence of, uh, the promise of his presence, but he wants us to live in such a manner that the world can understand Jesus is here and Jesus is now. If you have your Bible today, I want you to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 9. We're going to continue in the series, Jesus Is, and today we're talking about Jesus is the friend of sinners. He's the friend of sinners. You know, there's a lot of ways that Jesus is defined in the scriptures. If you go back and you look, we see him as the Prince of Peace. He's known as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. There's all these different adjectives that talk about who Jesus is. But one of the most perplexing is that as believers... We're cool with all those sayings about Jesus, but many times we struggle with the idea that Jesus is a friend of sinners. So I started thinking about that. Why do we struggle when we hear the Bible say Jesus is the friend of sinners? You see, we're often fine to say Jesus is my friend, but often uncomfortable to say Jesus is a friend of sinners. And the crazy thing is this, we're all sinners. Every person in this room, look at your neighbor and say, you're a sinner. I knew you were. I've known this for years. <laughs> the truth is, we're all that way. We're all bent. We struggle with this because many times we're more concerned with another person's sin than we are consumed with who Jesus is. We're focused on the sin rather than on Jesus. It's kind of like this. We have people in our lives who are involved in certain things and we say, he is a liar or she is a cheat, or he is a drunk, or she is a, uh, a this, or he's a homosexual, or whatever it is we call them. We label their sin. But yet we take all the focus off who Jesus is. The Bible says Jesus is the friend of sinners. We need to put our eyes on who Jesus is. The point is not the sinner, the point's the Savior. Who Jesus is, that Jesus loves. And we need to shift our focus to understand Jesus is, by himself, the friend of sinners. I kind of look at it this way. Jesus didn't care about the scandal. He cared about the scandalous. He loved people. He loved them where they were. But I want you to hear this statement. Jesus accepted them where they were, but he loved them too much to leave them there. That's my story. Jesus found me where I was at age 17, but he didn't leave me where I was. 
He changed me. He was the friend of sinners. So as I look at this passage, as I think about this message today, I really came back to to asking myself this question, who were his friends? If the Bible says Jesus was the friend of sinners, who were his friends? And how was he a friend to them? There's some awesome stuff here. I want to bring out three people that we see in Scripture that Jesus encountered with and how he was their friend, even though they were sinners. Number one, Matthew. I look at Matthew kind of like the Donald Trump of his day. The Bible says about Matthew that he was a tax collector. He worked for Herod, collecting people's taxes. Back in those days, those tax collectors were very wealthy people. They typically had more than they needed because they took more than they needed. Amen? Some of you are experiencing that after April 15th, all right? But I want you to hear this. Matthew was changed by Jesus. When he met Jesus, Jesus looked at him, and Jesus knew exactly who he was, and Jesus only had two words for Matthew. Matthew, follow me. Look at Matthew chapter 9. Because in this story, beginning with verse 9... Jesus shows up at Matthew's house. Not only did he love Matthew, he loved his friends. I kind of I envision this moment of Jesus showing up at like a penthouse apartment somewhere in New York City with lights and smoke and everyone's hanging out and everyone's a hoo-hoo. There's kind of a VIP guy at the door. And Jesus walks in. And the Bible tells us there were tax collectors and probably pimps and prostitutes and I mean, just whatever. And yet Jesus walks into the scene. Verse 9, look what it says. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he said. Matthew got up and he followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, They ask his disciples, who does your teacher eat with, tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You know, I read this passage and it brings me to this thought. Jesus was a friend of Matthew But how was Jesus Matthew's friend? Here's how he was his friend. He saw past the glam and he saw his real sickness. See, that's what Jesus is like. He sees you and I and he sees our lives and he sees past all the shimmer and all the attempts to sin management in our life and all of our struggles and all of our ugliness and he looks right through it And he sees the sickness in everyone's heart because he says it himself. He said, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. How was he his friend? He looked past all the superficial to get to the real issue in his life. Let me tell you another friend Jesus had. You know this guy. His name's Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? You know, Zacchaeus, (laughs) little guy, tree crawler. The guy loved trees, obviously. The Bible says that he was a short man, okay? Some of you know people with short man syndrome. Some of you are like, yes, I I know many people with short man syndrome. I think Joe Pesci was different than that. I think he was a lot like Joe Pesci. 
I think if they made a movie of Zacchaeus' life, Joe Pesci would have been the cool Zacchaeus. Raw, rough, irreligious. He would play the best. But when I look at Zacchaeus, I see him as kind of a thug. I call him shouty. He was shouty. Hey, shouty, come over here. Chief of tax collectors. He wasn't just a rich guy. He was the chief of the rich guys. I mean, you know, he had it going on, right? So if he had it going on, why did he climb a tree looking for Jesus? Here's why. He sought out Jesus because he was looking for something he hadn't found in his life. And it's something that you and I look for. You know what it is? Real significance. Every one of you, when you lay your head on your pillow at night, you want to know, what is my life for? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Is there more than just work and bills and my teenagers and my preschoolers? Zacchaeus was looking for real significance. Jesus was a friend of Matthew because he saw through the glam to his sickness, but he was a friend to Zacchaeus because he saw through the superficial nature and he saw his lostness. He was lost. He was wondering. He was searching. He still hadn't found what he was looking for. Luke 19, verses 7 through 11, it gives us a glimpse of this moment. Y'all know the story, right? He climbs up in a tree. He's looking for Jesus. He has an encounter with Jesus. And so he invites Jesus to come over to his house and hang out. Verse 7, it says, all the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be with the guest of sinners. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord. Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. In other words, God had already changed his heart. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today, now listen, this is cool. Today, salvation has come to your house, Zacchaeus. Because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. And then look at verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save. When Zacchaeus met Jesus, his perspective on life immediately changed. Lost people sought Jesus out. We know that all throughout the Bible. Religious people were irritated by Jesus. People who were far from God were drawn to Jesus. And they sought him out. And they weren't worried about who Jesus was. All they know is that this guy proclaimed to be someone who could change their life. Jesus truly was a friend of sinners. It brings me back to that. If, if this is the heart of Jesus, this ought to be our heart because Jesus loved lost people. Listen to this. We should do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. Anything short of sin. Why? Because Jesus saw through all of his richness and saw his lostness. I want you to hear this. We should care more about people's lostness than their sin behavior. 
You say, well, I don't like how they act. I don't like, listen, they don't know Jesus. How do you expect them to act? Jesus wasn't bothered by that. And neither should we. You should be able to walk up to any person in life and look through the outside exterior and see the inside interior of their life. Jesus cared more about Zacchaeus' lostness than he did his sin behavior. Jesus is the friend of sinners. Let me give you a third friend that Jesus had. We're known in the scriptures, we know her as the woman at the well. I like to call her Nameless Nancy. Because we don't know what her name is, right? We look in scripture in John chapter 8. Turn over there if you would. Nameless Nancy. Have you ever thought this? Why did God not put her name in the Bible? I don't know. But here's what I do know. Jesus knew her name. Jesus knew exactly who she was. The Bible says she was brought to the center of town. She had been caught in adultery. Brought her to the center of town. Everyone's ready to stone her. The religious leaders are like, she's a horrible this, that, you know what. And at the moment that they're about to stone her, Jesus does something really crazy. The Bible says he gets down on the ground and he puts his finger in the ground and he starts writing something in the sand. Look what it says in verse 6. But Jesus bent down and he started to write on the ground with his finger. If you read a lot of scholars, which I don't, (laughs) I read a lot of Bible. These guys believe that what Jesus was writing was the sin of all the religious leaders who were around him. So here's religious leader Bob and religious leader Charlie and religious leader... Larry, and they're sitting here ready to stone this woman, and Jesus is probably standing there going, Larry, you have stolen. Bob, you are a cheat. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us what they wrote, but I I suspect that that's probably what Jesus did. But in that moment, he bent down and he began to write with his finger. When they, they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground at this. Those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left. And with the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has anyone condemned you? No one, sir. She said, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Let me tell you how Jesus was her friend. Jesus saw her sin better than anyone, and he loved her more than anyone. Jesus sees your sin and my sin more than anyone, and yet he loves us more than anyone. That's what a true friend of sinners is like. How was Jesus her friend? Let me tell you. He declared her freedom. He said, hey, you don't have to do this anymore. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to set you free. For Matthew, I'm going to heal your sickness. 
For Zacchaeus, I'm going to heal your lostness. For this girl, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to declare you as a free woman. He did not want to condemn her past. He wanted to rescue her future. You see, here's what I love about Jesus today. You may be in here in this room and you feel like you've wrecked your life. Jesus doesn't care. He loves you. He cares about you. He brought you here today. And guess what? He wants to rescue your future. That's who Jesus is. He's the friend of sinners. You don't have to be good to be Jesus' friend. You just have to be honest. I can't believe at age 17 the way Jesus found me. But as a 17-year-old, I just got really honest. Jesus saved me. Mm. Finish this statement with me. If you love someone, you will. If you love someone, you will. So let's say it again. If you love someone, you will. Jesus showed this woman how much he loved her by setting her free. He wasn't saying, hey, you quit sinning now. I've done all this in your life. I got those guys out of your hair. I kept them from killing you. You better act up or you better act right. You better get it all right. He didn't do that. He said, hey, go from this place and sin no more. Why? Because you are free. That's what Jesus does. He sets people free. If you're here today, Jesus can set you free. Jesus loved people not to the point of justifying their sin, but to the point of transforming their life. That's a true friend of sinners. He was not enamored by what made them sinful. Instead, he was passionate about what would set them free. Oh, I love that. I love it. So I want to give you two steps today. Because I think when we hear this message, <clears throat> there's two ways we need to respond. So if you've got a pen, I want you to write this down. Number one, Jesus never wrote people off and neither should we. He never did. Listen, some of you in this room, you've been written off by people. I know what that feels like. You say, I've got family members who have written me off. I've got friends who are no longer my friend. Listen, Jesus isn't that way. We should never write people off because Jesus never wrote people off. Number two, Jesus is the friend of sinners, so that means Jesus is our friend because we are sinners. Some of you in this room, you have to accept the fact that God loves you right where you are. You're trying to dress it all up and put it all together and, you know, listen. He came to them at the place of their greatest need and he met them where he was. Why? Because Jesus is the friend of sinners. Would you bow your heads with me today? As we pray, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever met Jesus? I don't mean like physically, personally. What I mean is, have you ever met the one that the Bible calls the friend of sinners? You see, if you have, your life will, your life's going to be different. Why? Because you understand real forgiveness and real hope and real meaning. 
And some of you in this room, this message hits you right between the eyes because you keep thinking somehow it's about how you can manage your, your sin nature, and it's not. It's about meeting the one that can set you free, the one that can heal your lostness, the one that can change your sickness in your soul. And today, I want to point you to him. The Bible says, whoever calls on his name will be saved. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, I want to ask you right here, right now, would you pray this prayer with me? Just say, dear Jesus, thank you for bringing me to this place. Jesus, thank you for loving me and for dying for me on the cross. Jesus, I surrender my life to you, and I invite you into my heart as Lord and as Savior. I place all my faith, all my trust in you today, Jesus. Save me. Listen, with every every eye bowed and every heart just stopped right now, here's what I want to do. If you today prayed that prayer and you gave your life to Christ, I want to encourage you sometime today to tell a family member, a friend, somebody around you that today you made that decision. I want to pray for you. Father in heaven, thank you today. There, there may be one, there may be 50 who today for the first time they gave their life to Christ. And God, I am so thankful that you are a friend of sinners, that you're our friend, that we don't have to dress it up, we don't have to, we don't have to go into window dressing our lives but you see us who we are, but you love us enough to not leave us there. And so, Lord, today, I thank you for those who for the first time met you. In Jesus' name, amen.